a listener production. Okay, here we go. He is ice cool in moments like this. Oh, the big fella runs back into heavy traffic. Look at him go! G'day, Footy Talk Podcast, and coming up, the first coach to lose his job in 2023. Yeah, in the front row forum, I might just a little throw it there, my sneaky little bolt of origin. I want to get to the bottom why Maroon is so passive-aggressive, so we're going to dive into that and his use of that saying a bit later on. G'day, everybody. Welcome to the Footy Talk podcast with Wado, Woodsy and Maroon. Plenty to talk about in the podcast today. Uh, Wado, firstly, welcome to you, old mate. Maroon, good to be here. And Woodsy? Yeah, it's good to see us. Obviously, Wado's coming with a big smile today. Yeah. He mm. got the victory. He wins the what, – what shield was it called? Uh, the Wado Woodsy Shield. Uh, where, I'll where tell you it? what, but the, the way I'm feeling at the moment, it might be the last – <laughs> so, so one and done. The last one and cents cents only, yeah, done. You both came away from that with injuries. Wait, are you tell no, us no, about No, no, mine's not an injury. It's just a little bit of um, wear and tear from just a game over the years. I have this thing in the back of my neck that sometimes just catches. And, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't even take a game to, mm. like, get it move in the wrong place. Just sleep in the wrong side yeah. sometimes. So I've got a bit of a crick in the back of my shoulder blade and neck. And it's just, it's more of an annoyance. A healthy couple of hours in the sack and you can hurt your neck. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 100%. 100, <laughs> but after 16 years playing, just sitting on the couch sometimes gets me, to be honest. I'll be okay. I a bit of treatment this week, but mm. Woodsy, he, he's got some bad news, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I come off second best and I broke my hand. Yeah, so. that's – I mean, I did not I did not realise – I did I did on my own teammate too, yeah. um, Ola Kawatu's head in, in one of the tackles. And I just remember coming out. I thought I'd pop my thumb out and um, I just kept trying to yank it, yank it and – it didn't really feel too bad until afterwards, and you know you get that calm. You get, sort of numb, yeah, eh? you get the calm down when you when you're sitting there at home, and the hand just starts throbbing. And it, I had scans yesterday morning, and yeah, it was pretty bad. Got me to thinking about you blokes, and and you're carrying an injury, and you played on. And I mean, I say this with all sincerity. I think that we forget how tough an NRL player is. Yep. And a highlight of this year has been seeing Felice Kafusi just cut blokes in two. And if it's a little bloke, often I you know, I just wonder how tough an NRL player has to be to get hit like that, or you you see a fullback bringing it back and he gets caught between two players, and you just wonder how physically tough a rugby league player has to be. Yeah, I don't I don't think too many people really understand, do they? Wait, mm. like. I think the two hardest carries in the game is obviously when a fullback or, or wingers, they bring back a kick return because there's a straight line and there's nowhere really to run or when the front rower comes off the kickoff because, you know, normally nine times out of a 10, there's, there's been a team score the, the previous play that's happened in the field and then they've copped a, a big spray. Why did we let that try in? And then you want to make up for it. So you've got three or four blokes running down to try to smash someone. But it's hard, but for us, because we've done it for so many years, it's sort of like second nature. It's like people going to work and, and sitting in front of a computer every day. We, we train each day. You know, for me as a footballer, I think the hardest thing for us is the preseason. You know, the training we do in the preseason, which sets us up for during the year where we don't feel as bad, that's the hardest part. And I reckon if, if you said to a lot of the blokes that are retired, if they didn't do as many pre-seasons, they probably could go for longer, don't you reckon, Wado? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to put your finger on it, right? Like yeah. you, you need that big bank of training in the preseason, yep. so your body's in decent enough condition to get through the actual NRL season because it goes well, – it is a marathon. You can't hide away from it. It goes from March to October. It's a lot of footy played and 
you know, we, we love the game and, and we are, you know, we're lucky. We're lucky to be able to do something that we love, a sport that we played as a kid. We've advanced it, make a career out of it. And we, we are lucky and we're grateful with the opportunity that rugby league certainly gives you as an athlete and a player. But there's no doubt there's a price to pay. Um, and that price is, you know, is, it's on your body. Mm. So you got to be willing to pay that price if you want to have, a, have a, a long career in the NRO. And we're probably lucky, our generation, yeah. as in, you know, the collisions are probably a little bit bigger and the people are stronger, but also the medical help and the amount of science and training that goes into recovery and like surgery, they'll have Woodsy in by the end of this week, mm. fixed up brand new, out the other side, ready to go again. Um, and you look at some of those old battle-hardened veterans of the past, oh, yeah. um, but probably the medicine and, and the surgeries weren't as advanced and they have lifelong issues. Yeah. Look at their scars, like the scars yeah. from like when they had ACLs back in the day are just mm. like, they're probably 10 centimetres long on their knee. Now they're just little keyhole surgeries. They're unbelievable. You, you've both made this point on and off the microphone that you're battle-hardened and you get conditioned for it. But, I mean, I've obviously watched rugby league all my life and grown up with blokes who went on to play first-grade rugby yep. league, and they would say as much competitive rugby league I played at reserve grade level yep. or state cup or under-23s, call it what you want – Nothing compared them for that first time they ran out there in a first grade game, the defence or attack. Nothing compared them for the pace of it. Yeah, it's that's probably the hardest part about. And you know, I've played a bit of you know a couple of games of reserve grade this year. Look, the collisions in reserve grade is probably close to NRL, but the speed of the game is just ridiculous. And then we both were lucky enough to play Origin in Australia, and that's mm. when it gets even yeah. quicker. Like that, you don't even get a time to think. Back into what you said about you know random people just coming up, like. It's just the vigors of rugby league week in, week out. Like, I look at a side like Cronulla now. Like, when, when I was there, a lot of the boys, you know, Ramians, Uellis, Jackie Williams, they, they were probably, you know, one year or two years into their career. And, like, you look at their good games and their bad games, they were hard to back up because the toll it takes on your body. Like, when you're younger, you're not used to the, the, the bumps and bruises. You might have a good week and you get through. And then the next week, you cop a, a little stinger like Wader has or a, a knock on your hand like I have. And then they have a quiet couple games. Whereas now, you can just tell, like, they're at this level where the performance they have is pretty much the same. Like, their good and bad games yeah. are few and far. Yeah. Like, they're, they're so close to – There's not a lot of difference. Yeah, yeah they're mm. exactly the same. Because they're used to it now, the bodies – it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a couple of years, like what I said, with that base. you got to get that base first, and then your body knows how to handle the toll of rugby league. Yeah, well, the other part of it is the mental game too, yep. like in your preparation because, you know, we all want perfect preparations um, during the week. The better you prepare during the week – the better you give yourself an opportunity to play at your best on the weekend, right? But you're not always going to have a, your best preparation because you're going to have an injury through the week. You're going to miss a field session or you're not going to be able to lift weights or you're going to have to do extra physio or whatever, right? But the, the trick to that is once game day comes and you're getting ready to go on that field, no one cares how you're feeling. Like mm. The opposition don't yeah, care. Nah. Like mm. Your fans don't care. Your coach doesn't care how you feel. You need to go out there and do your job. And sometimes – you can get in your own head because, oh, I missed that session or my timing's a bit out because I haven't trained the week. Like the skill, and it's a learned skill, you only learn it through experience and, you know, year after year and game after game is you just got to get yourself up no matter what happens come game day. Like you can have a perfect week. It still doesn't guarantee you're going to play well, but you get a better opportunity to. But even if you have a bad week, no one cares. Yeah, once you, once no you go on that, Once you go on that field, you need to perform and do your job and that's – it's, that's a part of like a that's it, it, high level know, it, performance. It, it's funny why I said because I was actually talking to Flamo about it the other day because because we, we've got a, 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 a quite a young squad at Manly, and a lot of the guys you know sometimes they say oh our preparation was a little bit off this week and 
Remember there was one week, uh, Flano was into us at Sharks when I first got there in 18, and he's like, boy, he's got to have the preparation, everything's going to be done, blah, 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 and all this sort of stuff. And then literally the last couple of minutes of it, Wade gets out and goes, boy, I don't care what you do all week. You just need to show up for that 80 minutes when we play because that's all they remember. You could miss a, a physio run, that might play with your head. You miss a, a weight session, oh, I haven't done this. But it's the mindset when it comes for that, you know, 2 o'clock Sunday over or 4 o'clock Sunday over when you're playing, it's – you got to throw that all behind you. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's been done. Well, you, you got to give yourself the best opportunity to prepare well, right? You got to, but just some as I say, happen. you got to cross all the T's and dot all the I's. <laughs> dot all the T's and cross all your I's. That's, you, you got to do that. You have to yeah. to give yourself the best opportunity. You're playing against good players and good teams and you need to give yourself the best chance to play well on the weekend. Sometimes you're not going to have the mm. best preparation. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to have busted. injuries. You're going to have a short turnaround. You're going to have that. And ultimately, you misses. Once you game day, once you have kids, you lose sleep. Like, yeah. Ultimately, once game day comes around, but no one cares, mate. Like, mm. turn up, do your job. That's your job. Yeah, do yeah. your job. We could talk about this and talk about this, but the, then you got the other thing. Like, just say you're a winger. Yep. And outside backs now that aren't huge, aren't that are light, maybe short, they're going to stand out there. They know the opposition is going to target them on tackle five, kick it to them. Then they're going to have half a dozen monsters chasing them down. And this small frame guy on the wing, he doesn't catch the ball. The opposition scores. He's been maybe thinking about that happening all week. And now he's still got to play a whole game of footy knowing that he's already dropped the high ball. The mental, the mental strength of an NRL player. Yeah, well, athletes in general, you need to have that. That mental ability to just put mistakes behind you, especially in a game that's so fast and mm. flowing as rugby league, like you, you can't get caught up in mistakes. No one, no one means to make a mistake, right? Yeah. But they're going to happen. It's more important about you know how you respond from that mistake and what comes next, what comes after it. As Professor Wendell Saylor once said, "Don't carry your divots." <laughs> <laughs> that's a different Wendell Saylor than the one that works here. Uh, <laughs> now, Are you guys, sure? Anthony Griffin, well, it just goes from bad to worse for the poor old Dragons. I don't know that it could get any worse at the moment. They've now lost six straight games and they were pretty much uncompetitive over the weekend when the Cowboys beat them. I think they had it's a bad week to have to go to Townsville. Now, Anthony Griffin has now been sacked from the club. He's, you can call it whatever you want, but he won't be coaching there anymore. I wonder what you guys think about that. Firstly, is that the answer? Is that the answer, Woodsy? Oh, look, it's it's probably the answer that we all knew it was going to come. There's been so much scrutiny about it. It was, you know, even before a ball got kicked off this season. Um, I think the back end of last year, you know, a lot of people were questioning why did they re-sign him for that one year? And then, you know, in the whole off-season we were there, when we went back in that pre-season block, there was just talk about Griffin's got six weeks. He's got six weeks. Well, he's lasted 11, 11 rounds now. So, look, they've made a decision. You know, I think they've probably been pushed to make a decision because from outside looking in now that I'm not there, it looks like they didn't want to make a decision until they've got their coach for next year sorted. And I don't think that's happened yet because there's still so many question marks around Jason Rolls, Ben Hornby. You know, I read in the paper the other day, Michael Checker's been linked there as well. So, look, is it the right decision? Look, it's probably the right decision at the moment. You know, the club, they're just going to keep being in the limelight until they, something happens. They had to make a decision. With, with Hook, whether it was to keep him or sack him. So they've got to move him on. So they've moved him on now. That's one one big decision they've made. The next one is who's the coach going to be now? Yeah. Mm. You know, and unfortunately it was, a, it was a, you know, it was, a, it was a disappointing week for the club last week. Ben Hunt's 300. They didn't get the win, but they got to celebrate, a, you know, a champion player. But Wado, just on this Anthony Griffin thing first, let, you're both senior NRL players, yep. right? 
if you're a senior NRL player, at, I mean, I can see where a supporter who passive and kind of half knows what's going on says, good, they've bloody sacked the bloke. Let's get another coach. But a player's going to probably say, well, hang on, what is that going to help? How is that going to help us? We're coming equal last and they've just sacked the coach. Yeah, well, I think this is, I, I said on the coverage the other night when I was with you, Maroon, I think someone from the op, like the front office ho- is hopefully addressing the players right now. If this is the case and, you know, he, he has been sacked, I think the players need to be – there needs to be full transparency with what the plan is moving forward just so they can buy in, get their heads together and all commit to the next part of the process. So unless that tr- transparency is there and you tell the players what the plan is uh, moving forward, like how can you get the players to commit and all go in one direction and, and be clear, clear about what they're going to do and what their future looks like? So if this is the decision that they've gone with, they've made – the next thing is to sign, like, to decide who is going to be the next long-term coach, so they can start influencing the club and that playing roster as quick as possible. Because the longer they're in sort of treading water until they make a decision who the long-term coach will be, you know, player managers will get involved. There'll be player unrest if there's no transparency between the club and the playing group. All it'll breed is more questions about what's really going on and and what direction are we heading in. So, I think. They've made this decision. It's still unclear um, the decision on who they're going to go with moving forward. But for them, the quicker they decide on that um, and get that process happening, the better off for the club and the better off for the playing group. I reckon they should also get the leaders in, you know, because the leaders are the ones going to be driving. And this, you know, they've got two coaches that haven't head coached rugby league, uh, NRL squad in in Ryan Carr and and Ben Wolfe. So they're going to really need to – their leadership group right behind them in this situation because they're going to have to drive what's going on. Uh, so who is who makes the decisions down there? Well, I'm not across the, the Mate, board. I, to be honest, I didn't even know. I think Ryan Webb's the CEO, and then you've got the chairman in um, Andrew, Andrew Lancaster. Lancaster. But the problem is, Wade, they've got two sides of the board. So they've got the win oh, okay, faction, yeah, and then right, they've got yeah, the St. Yeah, George yeah, faction. Okay. So I think for it to come ahead, they have to have an equal vote. You know, this is the whole thing. They've got two sides of the board. This never works but they ha- this merge thing, it doesn't work. It's never going to work. We've never relocated a side, but we say that doesn't work. Merging sides doesn't work. This has never worked. Yeah, well, but they've got to come together here for the common good of the football club. Firstly, who would want the job? Who would want the job? There's a question. Well, I think you need to give someone, whoever it is, some time. Like, some time, some, some yeah, absolutely, time, yeah. Like, like the that's why, yeah, that's why the decision on who is the next coach and who they can actually recruit and – off the job too is a big one, and I know they said that I need they need to make it quick, but it needs to be the right call because if you if you get it wrong, you're in the same you, situation. You just say you give someone three years, right? You got three years. You obviously got to manage the roster, recruit some guys, keep the team, assemble the team the way you want your style to actually um, be implemented and played on the weekend. That takes what two three years to manage all yeah. that, and, and, and then, you've also got the guys that are already got two or three year deals yeah, already. So so there's a bit of like shuffling the decks there and, and moving parts. But then you can't be in the same position three years later no. with someone who you don't believe in again and you need to make another change because then you just start the cycle again. So it's a big decision and it's a big couple of months coming up for the Dragons. But as soon as they have clarity with what they want in the coach and who they can actually attract to the club and, and to pull that off, the better for the club. But you're right. They need to be united. They need to be clear and they need to have a just have a greater, like a, a, a crystal clear understanding of where they want to be and who's going to take them there. So, Woodsy, there has been some murmurings that Nathan Brown, the ex-Dragons yep. coach, is going to go back there and look after recruitment. He did a great job recruiting and restructuring Newcastle and then he kind of left 
left a little early, but he did a great job in getting them to be competitive again. I think I think he's got a good knack of it. He did it yeah. at the Warriors as yeah. well. Mm. Um, like he's he's able to sign players. He can and he can spot players that clubs need. But I'm with Wader. Like you need to be on the same page. You want to have the same goal. You want the Dragon, the St George Laura Dragons, to to be better as a club. You don't want to just have all right. You know, I've got a couple of mates here that that are um, player managers that have got this coach and do a, a mate a favour. You need to get the right coach yeah. in mm. because it's it's a club that we you know a lot of people obviously in your era of Maroon grew up and they were such a strong club. Yeah, you know, like Dragons were known for winning the competition nearly every year. So they and it's good for rugby league when they're better, but. Yeah, it's it's the people they get in. They need to get the right people for the job, and I think Brownie be good. He's a local boy, or not a local boy. Sorry, he's he a, a, a from yeah, me, well, yeah, but he's mm. a Coffs Arbor junior. But he loves the club. He's worked for the club. He's played for the club. You know, there's there's talk about Hornby Young. There's talk about uh, Jason Rolls. He lives still in Wollongong area. Yeah, I'm not sure if he can get out of his Roosters deal because I remember they locked him down with what happened with Adam O'Brien. So you just need to get the people with the right intentions that want to see the club go further, not themselves. Now the other thing is too, not not just in regards. To to recruitment, who they bring to the club. I feel like, Wado, every time we call, every time I call an NRL game, I come across a player who is a South Coast junior who is not playing for the Dragons. So are they working this pathway system right? Are they Have they got the right channel through to all these South Coast clubs into the Dragons? It comes back to what you say about, you know, this will take three to five years, but they need to get that right. Everything is important to the club, how you run your club from the bottom up or from the top down, whichever way you want to look at it, from your junior pathways, from your academy, from your elite pathways, your junior representative footy, how you develop that, how you retain and keep your juniors, how you recruit juniors into your system as well because, you know, you probably don't need to recruit all that much into that junior system because they have a great catchment, but it's it, you need to recruit um, some places, like New Zealand's a great breeding ground, countries, they have that whole sort of south country area to recruit from. It's an important to get that pathway right so you can see actual juniors coming through your system, your yeah. pathway system, and there's a, there, there is a highway into that first grade team. So no, no, Look, you say that, Maroon, but they've got a lot of juniors coming through. You know, you've got Bud Sullivan, Junior Ramon, you've got the Fagai brothers, Lomax, you've got Laurie. You can't keep them all. Now you can't keep them all. Yeah, but they've got a stack of them down there. It's, there's some that you just can't keep in your system because other clubs are going to throw a lot more money at them because yeah, fair it's point. such a yeah. talented yeah. junior base. Like you, a, can, mm. you can come out and say that, but that region is huge. Well, Woodsy makes a good point there. So maybe they, they are getting that area right, they've, that, that area yeah, of the club they right. They've yeah, got a lot yeah. of juniors there. I didn't know there were so many of those, Bird, those, yeah. those local juniors playing in the first grade team. So maybe that's an area they are getting right. And the sole focus needs to be on someone to run the first grade football program yep, yep. Mm. in a way that's going to keep developing these juniors into the first grade system and, and make them successful at the top. Because just because you make first grade doesn't mean you stop developing. Like, that's it, yeah. Me and Woodsy just spoke less than 10 minutes ago how mm. it takes you three, four years as a first grader to really understand the mm. consistency and the level you need to be at each week to play the game um, and get the results each and, weekend. And you look so. at the, the Illawarra side of the venture, they won their Shibourne Howard Matthews a couple of years ago too the, with mm. all those kids coming through the grades. Let me put it to you like this then. Let's say you two are both retired. You found your way onto the board of this uh, merge, quote unquote, merged board. Yeah, yeah. We've got to find a coach. Waiter, they say to you, who's going to be the coach? And you say, well, I played for the Sharkies in 2016 and Shane Flanagan was the coach. He's available. Is that what you say? Or do you say, let's give a young bloke a go who's never coached in NRL before? Well, I have the experience with Flanagan. I think he'd be a great coach for there. But the, the, the issue for them is 
who wants that job? Yeah. Like you yeah. need, they need mm. to want a job. They need to want to go down there mm. and tear in and put the hard yards in because like you said, it, it is a job. It's a big job. They need to turn yeah. a lot around and they need, there's a lot of issues to deal with. Other clubs you've seen in the past, you know, the Sharks, I can use the Sharks as an example. They really headhunted Craig Fitzgibbon. They identified him early and said, well, if he comes available, he's the guy that they want. So they put all the work in in the background and they really headhunted him and went after him. The Bulldogs the same with Theraldo. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the Warriors, they did their homework on Andrew Webster. We've we've seen this happen. And that might be the strategy that the Dragons need to do now. Then They might need to hunt around. Instead of going back to coaches who have done it, hunt around for the next yeah, best the thing next or who's mm. the next one who, who really understands the modern game, the modern issues, dealing with, you know, the next generation of players coming through and what they bring to the table. That might be the strategy that Dragons could look at. Who's the next young coach? And is it is it a Jason Riles? So they do have their eye on that sort of circumstance, but they need to get the right coach who fits in and wants to get down there and, and rip in and work hard and, and make that club successful. And back on with the Flano, like Flano's been down there. He was assistant coach under Mary. Um, the last year and a bit, he was a salary cap uh, manager down there. I think he did a little bit of recruiting while I was there. You know, haven't worked with him at Cronulla. Haven't worked with him at, at Manly now. He's he's just got such a good rapport with all the yeah. players. And what he did at Cronulla, he built that club from ground up. Like well, they they were struggling when Sticky left there. Flano, Flano's unbelievable strength is he knows how to coach the players that he has. Yep. But then he recruits the right people to like not change the group, come into the group, will fit in with the group and add to the group, make the group better. So Mm. he has a really uncanny knack of just getting the right player and bringing him into that team or that environment. And that player always adds value. It doesn't doesn't change the whole thing, but he just adds value to the guys that are already there. So he did that every year with us at Cronulla over the space of how long did he coach? Eight years? He was so good at that, Every yeah. year he brought in a player who just added to the team and made the team and the club better. Yeah, and, that's, and that, like I said, I think that's what Dragons need. You know, they've got the core group of players that we've already spoke about with the junior kids coming through. Sometimes you might need an older head to come help them steer the ship around. So, you know, but like I said, we don't know what the club's thinking, what the board are thinking. Do they want a young, fresh voice that's going to pave their way and it's going to work their backside off? Or do they want an old head like Flano or someone like Des Hasler? It's a big decision for him, It's mate. huge. Yeah. Okay. Um, just still on the Dragons, a bit of a Dragons special today. Uh, it won't be. We will change direction shortly. But Ben Hunt's 300th, <laughs> and there was a function for this. There was a couple of key people not there. The St. George Illawarra Dragons chairman, Andrew Lancaster, and the CEO, Ryan Webb. I'm wondering, look, Woodsy, you played for the Dragons, yep. and if you're Ben Hunt, are you offended that they weren't oh, there? Oh, you're obviously disappointed. You know, he's playing 300 games. I think he's the 47th or 46th person to do it. Um, it's a remarkable achievement. And he's the captain of the club too. Like, he, he demands respect, and there are probably two people that you think would have been there. You know, the first two that would have wanted to come. I know it was up on the Gold Coast, I heard. Um, every player was there. Um, there was some old boys that he played with in the Broncos, I think, that were down there as well, and like Yao Yi, um, Andrew McCulloch popped his head in as well. And, you know, they had a lot of uh, his whole family up there. Um, I think his family drove 10 hours, so it wouldn't have been hard to hop up a plane, which is only an hour away. And, you know, I would have thought that they definitely would have been there. They must have had a, a good excuse because, like I said, he's the captain and the heart and soul of that club. You, 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 he demands that respect, you know, yeah. especially mm. from up a high. And everyone's saying... You know, you look at the Tigers; they've they've copped a lot of flack that it's it doesn't it doesn't just start in the you know the, on the field; it starts in the boardroom, you know, from the club moving forward. So, mm. you know, when you think you couldn't get worse, and why the reasons why you're in the paper, they're just going to hit you while you're down. So, you would have thought that they would have been there no matter what. Waiter, yeah, in my opinion, they should have been there. That's a no-brainer for me. I think no one's expecting 
you know, a pat on the back every day and, you know, you're doing a great job every day and recognition every day. You don't need that all the time, but there's moments, there's moments and opportunities come along where you can actually, let's take, let's take a minute and take a breath away from the football and let's, here's a guy playing his 300th game in mm. the NRL, which is, as Woodsy said, 47, was he? 47. 47 in yeah. the history of the game. Like <laughs> that's an opportunity to just take a seat and just take a breath and say, well, yeah. congratulations, mate. Here's some recognition for a hell of a career and all the effort you put in. You know, regardless of what's happened, regardless of the results and how things are going, just yeah. the achievement on its own deserves some recognition and deserves the prominent people in the club to be in the room and to, to I share, think the whole to board, share that recognition. Should, everyone should have been there because, it, like I said, well, he's a captain. They've had a poor start of the year. The coach is under the pump, and this is the first time they get to celebrate something. And we wonder where this leaves Ben Hunt, you know, this whole thing now that, that Hook is gone. Yeah, uh, we wonder where this leaves Ben Hunt. Obviously, there are a couple of clubs. That I can think of four clubs. Well, the Bulldogs are looking yeah, for a half straight away. Yeah, that would just go Burko to get hold of Ben Hunt. Oh, he's, he's such a quality player, yeah. too, Marin. And mm. you know, when you watch him put that maroon jersey on in, in a couple of weeks, yeah. he goes to another level. And and you know, he's already said that he'd be watching this situation very closely because Hook's a really good friend of his. Um, he said that he doesn't want to start from the bottom. You know, he wants to win a competition. There's time running out. He's 33 this year, and he wants to win a competition. So these things happening, the board not showing him some love, the chairman, the CEO not showing him some love, this could, you know, this could hurt the club. Well, if he's already made it clear that he doesn't – he's already said before Hook was was shown the door, yeah. I don't think I want to go through this again. Yep. So for then for the CEO and the chairman not to turn up, it sounds a little passive aggressive, doesn't it? It's a little bit like, well, it's kicking the face. Yeah, we're not going to be at your. Um, we're <laughs> you, not going to be using that word passive aggressive a lot lately. My wife says I use it a lot. You use it, I, I remember yeah. you used it the other day. Mm. Uh, well, I don't want to hear you using. I don't want no, you no, guys no, no, no. stealing I, any I more. I don't even know no, what no, it no, means. No, no. Am I so use it? Yeah, it's, it is a little bit of a surprise, but I think when I said before with this decision and the next step forward, the club having to be transparent with their playing group. Obviously, at the top of that list is Benny Hunt. He's their captain. Mm. He he. He would have his finger on the pulse of the playing group and their mood and their how, how they're traveling. So he would be at the top of the list with that that transparency. Yep. You know, maybe they have a good reason for not being at that celebration. He's 300. And that maybe they've been in touch with Benny Hunt already. We, we don't know. But he would be one of the first people I'd be on the phone to. I want to say that you pointing out that I said passive-aggressive a lot is a little bit passive-aggressive in itself. Oh. What does that so mean? I'll explain to you straight after this. It's the award-winning podcast, Wado, Woodsy and Maroon. I believe, though, the journalists are, um, have just got pipped us at the moment. Is that right, Chicka White? You know but, why? Because yeah. Michael Chemis wasn't on. He's been I, away sick. I tell you what, though, uh, Danny Widler's been kicking a lot of 40-20s. I mean, is he the gun at the moment or what? He can break a story. So Widler's kicking 40-20s. Chemis is sort of like... Sitting at home on the couch doing nothing. Yeah, that's eating. not that's not passive aggressive. That's just aggressive. That's aggressive. It's just aggressive. But he, no, waiter, he walked in and was like, "Mate, we're leading the competition." Yeah. So, and he's at home sitting on the lounge eating hummus and Lebanese bread. <laughs> Widler's doing all the work. Time for this. Woodsy's front row forum. Front row forum. 
Yes, well, this is another segment within our thing that hasn't won any awards yet, but I'm sure it's going oh, we're, to. We're flying, but we're At the we're next uh, podcast Olympics. <laughs> What's the topic today? So, obviously, your origin's around the corner, and everyone's talking about their teams and what's your team list. So I thought, we'd, what about a bolter today? An origin bolter. An origin bolter. Yeah, I love look, it. Look, he, this guy has played origin, but it was a fair few years ago. Yep. You know, we spoke about, can you get Nico Hines into a side? Can you get Luai? Do we, if you know, if Luai's there, does Nico Hines go on the bench? And, and you know, I've agreed with Wade, he's either six or not, because I don't think he can fill too many positions. It's hard to get him on to play a role because you're basically making a change to get him in. So I went home, I had a little think about it. I said, you know, I've been watching a player lately and, and the, the team's been outstanding and I think Dylan Walker. Wow. that I mean, Dylan, I don't know that Dylan's played Origin in the last 10 series. Not that that matters. No, but I think he's come of age. He, he's one of the – with the new rules that we've got, the six agains, he's a player. And then I like that middle forward off the bench like a – Leg speed. Leg speed. He can play as a pivot role. You know, he can play centre. He can play wing. He can play lock. He can play half 5'8". He can, he can, if we go with one hooker, he can fill in for hooker on the bench. So I think he's just got so many certain roles that he can play. And then what he's done at the Warriors this year has been outstanding. He's – he come off the bench on the weekend. He's played five eight. He's played a bit of centre there this year. He showed you that he can fix it anywhere. And I got to see him up close at Magic Round. He come and said hello to the boys because we we're staying in the same hotel. He surprised me how big he is. Yeah, I yeah. didn't realise how big up mm. close he was. Mm. And yeah, I just think he'd be a really good, you know, a really good utility, and would get a lot of value out of him. Just like Wade said, with his leg speed in around a ruck, you know, if we got Hass and Paulo starting, get him off on about 25, 30 minute mark, ten minutes before half time, he could create a little bit around the ruck against the Queenslanders. Yeah, he's, he's a great option. That's you know thinking outside the square, but it's someone who fits the bill. I said during the coverage on the weekend that like that that fourteen rolls, you need to sort of pick that carefully. You either have the two hookers, or you have someone who can yep. you're planning on using as a forward, but can cover your your other options. And Dill Walker certainly fits That's that why bill. I like him, yeah. We had Andrew Webster on that coverage saying that he actually looks forward to that role, being the guy who comes on with the leg speed to try and spark the game open and. It sounds funny, but it is hard to come off the bench. It's a particular role that's quite different from starting because you're not up to sort of speed. You come on, you're not as warmed up. you sort of got to find your speed out there. Um, and, and it can be hard for a guy who's used to playing 80 minutes on the weekend to then come off the bench and play that bench role during Origin because it's a different weight. You're sitting on the bench, you have that different nerves and yeah. um, anticipation sitting there. So someone who is used to coming off the bench um, and, and actually enjoys that role to an extent makes sense as an option. I'll tell you another decent option too. Yep. And again, I'm biased. I'm picking my Cronulla boys, but Cam McInnes would yeah, be a great good. option yep. because mm. he plays as a middle forward, but can cover hooker. So exactly. you can have, you can sort of have a two prong thing there where you go, okay. And you can put him on the edge too. So well, you can put him on the edge or if you yeah. have Cam Murray or Liam Martin as well on the bench, you, yep. you, there's plenty of versatility there. So if you say, all right, we're going to play one hooker, but if he blows out and he needs a spell, cover. you got the cover and mm. you, you don't burn change because you can change it as a middle and Cam can just stay and then like that as that second middle comes back on or hook or, yeah, like or whoever the hooker is, it adds value. So a couple of bolters there that I think they'll be looking at uh, or they could uh, potentially look well, at. And that's what I think the new age, like they've got Ruben Cotters or those guys with leg speed. I think we've got to, mat, you know, fight fire with fire and both our guys have got the skill. You know, McInnes can ball play too. You know, doing a lot of video on him last week. He, he's got that passing. Yeah, that you know, short passing. Have. Yeah, game, which so is really good. Now. Yeah. Well, the great Cam McInnes, a lot of clubs. I mean, I don't know what they pay him, but whatever they pay him, they get good value for money. Oh, it was the yeah. same at the Dragons, Dragons and the yeah. same at Souths as well. He was the Dragons, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable player. Uh, all right. Well, look, boys, because it's just about origin time and we're talking about origin selections and origin boulders, what about some great origin stories? Obviously, these have to be 
family friendly. PG rated, yes. Yeah, PG like rated. Last week's story, but, but um, I've got one back. I think 2017, I think it was, Wado. You know, they announced the site. I think we get told on the Sunday. Uh, we get in the camp. I think it's what day do we get? We get in there Monday. Monday, yeah, Monday you or do, Sunday. Yeah, we do all the filming. Yeah, it's it's a long day. The Monday that, that one. That is a big day. It's a huge day. Like they announced you because uh, our major sponsor was the Star. I think it was the first year the Star got on board, and you do all your commitments there. Um, you have all the you know the Fletch and Hindy shows, the Telegraph. Everyone's in there. They do a media. You do it all in one day because it wasn't as. Play, all the players went up every day like it is now in, in the Origin system. So, and we'd stay at the Novotel, Darling Harbour. Uh, we get back at about what time? About six o'clock. Yeah, it's a big day. Yeah. yeah, so that's the night we get to have a couple of beers with everyone. You get to know each other. You know, we have a few beers. A couple of boys, you know, start getting a little bit loose. They get off the beers and onto the spirits. Um, you know, Loz is looking around, getting a little bit worried. Who's gonna, you know? And he sort of puts a little bit of a curfew on us and. Says, all right, boys, last drinks at about 11 o'clock at night. And, mate, come on, mate, you're not telling grown men to go to bed at 11 o'clock. So we all were like, yeah, no worries, Loz, we're going to bed. We all go up in the lifts, go up with Loz. I think he's in the penthouse, level 15 there. We're on 14. So we go up 14, go out. Loz goes up to 15. We press the button, go back downstairs. <laughs> everyone, everyone meets back down at the lobby. And then literally we had our – it was literally like a team meeting at Scuba down at um, – I think it's Central Station, wasn't it? Yeah, Scuba is one of the all-time haunts on a Monday night. Yeah, and then so we're all in Scuba. You're looking everywhere. It's the whole New South Wales Origin squad and everyone's trying to get photos. We're like, boys, we can't get photos because we're not supposed to be out. We come back and then I think what time we'd get back in? It shuts at about 3 or 4 yeah. in the morning. I remember coming back Side in. Sidebar around the corner used so, to be open up later. <laughs> so whatever we get our hands on, we come back, you know, in the – and then there you see Dukes and Fergo wrestling in the car park and, boy, save yourself. We got training them the next day. And, mate, that was probably one of the best bonding sessions we had because we went up to Brisbane and we won game one. You know, we absolutely towed them yeah. up. That was when everyone was against us. So um, they're probably the great nights that you look forward to, isn't it, Wayne? Yeah, good because it's it's a delicate balance, right? Like you're there to represent New South Wales and yourself, but there's an underlying tension between competitors uh, when, you, when you're not playing or when you're prepping to play. And, like, obviously, you, you pull in t- guys – from teams who may have, may have played on the weekend. Like me and Woodsy, we could have played each other on a yeah. weekend and now all of a sudden we're there and we're there to represent the same team, right? So there's, it's not a tension, but it's an underlying, you know, feeling there. So you need to get rid of that as quick yeah, as you can. And yeah. Probably not the right thing to say in this day and age, but often having a beer and having a drink and having a laugh together yeah. just breaks that ice, breaks the tension. And then, you know, the next day you are all, all aligned representing New South Wales or, or, or Queensland. So, yeah, we've had some fun times in those camps. And then so the next morning you're at Brecky and Loz, everyone have a good sleep? Yeah, Loz, had a great sleep, mate. We've all got our glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys, we're going to have to leave it there. But uh, now what's going on with the broken hand you'll be missing this week? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. I've got to see the surgeon later tomorrow, so mm. I'll find out more there. And, Wade, you've got the Knights in Newcastle this week. No, in Coffs. In Coffs. Coffs, Coffs. So, yeah, we have the um, partnership with mm. Coffs. We take a game up there um, every year. It's a good week for us now, so we'll, we'll get on the plane today and head up, and then um, we do a bit of work in the community, in the schools, and then just finish our prep up there, train a couple of times, and, yeah, Knights on uh, Saturday afternoon, which is always a good game, those regional games. They get a good crowd, and um, it's a good feeling to – be able to take an NRL game to the regional areas. Uh, and, and Coffs do a great job. The people yeah. up there always accept us. They're always so um, welcoming. Uh, we love our time we spend up there. Okay, mate. The best of luck, fellas. And we'll see you either calling over the weekend or next week for the Wado Woodsy and Maroon Footy Talk podcast. Bye for now. <laughs>